this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Normally I'm on every Saturday from 3 to 6, so if you haven't caught my show then, you should write it on your calendar. But I am here now live on the 4th of July till 7 o'clock. So I'll take your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. And we're in the halfway through a conversation about what I would say the libertarian roots of the American experiment, that the founders kind of, I would categorize them as being in two factions. One ultimately got the Constitution passed, which was uh, created a stronger central government than its predecessor, the Articles of Confederation. But what the guys who were against the Constitution, which included Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry, George Mason, those are the guys I would call the libertarians. What they did was they got us the Bill of Rights. And that, in my mind, is the legacy of the libertarian founders. And I want to I want to read them and just point out what's what we got to, what we have to worry about what's happening right now that attacks some of these that you wouldn't necessarily realize like i think the gun laws that are the gun bills that are on the floors in washington right now in congress are uh actually less about the second amendment than they are about the first amendment's freedom of speech basically because they're putting you on watch list for what for what you say and uh, that's the First Amendment. And the Fifth Amendment, which is due process. You're not supposed to take away people's liberty and other rights without due process of law. Watchlist does the same thing. So I want to rattle that stuff off. One thing I, uh, one thing I did express some real sadness over frustration anger even is that my kids who are 10 and 12 and i have another son who has down syndrome he he's not giving me any flack but the other two get a little worried because they think that when i rail against the violations for example the bill of rights i mean i just i can't put the news on without getting super mad at the guys in washington and they're standing there with the american flag behind them and i'm uh, shaking my fist and my kids worry that i don't love this country and i wanted some help on what i should tell them and you can contribute if you want, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I got some good tweets uh, in response to that. Resist We Much says, what to tell your children? America is not the government, and the government is not America. And that actually, I should have been thinking that way, I think, because that is what I consider to be the true libertarian root of the American experiment, the American Revolution. In the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson wrote, when we just heard uh, somebody reading the Declaration of Independence from Boston, we heard on the news, but the clip stopped short of what I consider to be the most important words, that uh, governments are instituted among men to secure the rights, liberty, life, and the pursuit of happiness, 
uh, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So the government is, in fact, just a reflection of our rights. And, and that is the essence of the American experiment is not the government it created. It's that it recognized that the government was a function of that, but that our rights were superior. So thank you. That was very excellent. Uh, let's see. There were a few more. My uh, my sister tweeted me that uh, her husband suggested, I say to my kids, I love my country, but fear my government. I guess there's a bumper sticker of that effect. Uh, then Greg tweeted, now this is very interesting. He tweeted to me, the peer pressure you feel to not, quote, hate the country is a feat of propaganda. So I usually do go deep, I have to say. Uh, I, I really want to keep it more, you know, I really, I do want to stay focused on the American experiment because I don't think it was, it had its factions, it had its rivalries, it had its plots, but I don't think it was anywhere near as contorted as things are now. But I agree that what, what Greg is saying about this patriotism thing, the, it is a feat of propaganda. What the real feat is though, is this idea that the real propaganda feat is that Supporting the American experiment, ex- ex- supporting what was extraordinary about America, that phrase, the consent of the governed, is not the same as American exceptionalism, which is a game they play with us with the words. What American exceptionalism means is not that we're an exception to all of the other governments that ever existed, but that we're an exception to the law that the natural fundamental law of respecting the sovereignty of other nations that we have that we are exceptional we don't have to follow the rules it's tricky and it's and associating that bastardization of americanism and calling that rejecting that unpatriotic i think is really the problem i'm struggling with very good greg i I probably get the phones lit up after that (laughs) 404-872-0750 one eight hundred WSB Talk. I'm going to Betty in Dawsonville. Hi, Betty. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. It's really been a pleasure listening to you today, especially on the fourth. Thank I am. You. I'm in total agreement with you today. I generally am, but I I'm amazed at um, at your uh, intricate knowledge of um, the technicalities of forming our government, and I'm always considered myself, I'm from the Northeast and grew up around all this history, and when we were children, way back when, we learned so much about the formation of our country and were taught to be proud of our country, but I didn't know a lot. I appreciate a lot of your little intricacies of the formation, which children don't usually learn all those things anyway, but I really have to applaud your um, your show today, and it's so much thought, you've given me so much thought. And we need to hear more of this. And it really saddens me that here we have a president who I did not, would not have ever voted for. However, merely the fact that he's supposed to be an expert on the Constitution. I'm like, gosh, fifth grader. Well, I know more about the Constitution as a fifth grader than he does. Well, I'll tell you, Betty. It's embarrassing. All that that you're telling me, I'm highly complimented at your respect and I appreciate it but I'll tell you the thing I do which doesn't occur to people 
Uh, I do I do read a lot of stuff that gives me this information, but the number one thing I do is read the documents. I said all I did today yeah. was I read the Declaration of Independence, I read the Articles of Confederation, I read the Constitution. Yeah. That's that's all I did. Uh, and you you get so much out of it. Obviously, a layperson as you can absorb, can understand it, and you're not a constitutional scholar. No, I'm not, see. and I did no. go to law no, school, but, uh, I must say, but I was kind of taught the opposite of what I gathered later when I just sat down and read it and said, it's right there, it's right there in black and white, the Fourth Amendment's very clear, oh, warrants yes, need yes. to be specific. And, and what you brought up about the First Amendment, how just merely threatening people I am a gun advocate. I've never t- touched a gun. I've never shot a gun. I, you know, the whole thing. But it's very specific about our rights where it comes to gun ownership, and and how how can you know people be so uh, well, especially the ones who are supposed to know better about things like that. You know, uh, it just amazes. Well, of course, it amazes me, and I'm ashamed. I am ashamed of people running our country. I am not ashamed of my country. Yes, Never that's ashamed the thing. of my country on how it was founded. And we need to remind your children, like you're doing, that how they were founded, it's the people that are in power that have ruined what our country has made our country become what it, what it is. It's I still, agree. And I think that... That's what you need to tell them and remind them that, you know, <laughs> it just... It just it saddens me because I grew up in a time, as I said, in the Northeast in the 50s when we were proud of our country and we learned as much as we could and, and wanted to go to all the historical places and what happened there. And and and, and now it's like, you know, you're supposed to be ashamed because we're bad. That's all wrong. And, and Yeah, I like, agree. Really? And I'll just tell you, I think that even if I dig deep and I find that there were other things going on that weren't always perfect and perfectly libertarian, the fact, what I what I like about that kind of patriotism and why I defend the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, why I, I want people to rally around it, is what it represents to us. Not what they, if it was a Trojan horse meant to create this horrible monstrosity that it seems to have devolved into, that's what it what it provides is a focal point for us in liberty and justice. And I understand there were problems. I understand slavery and the American Indians. I understand that. But it's the ideas, that the ideal that we were meant to pursue because of this that got people spirit going that gets you to feel patriotic that's maybe this country did not fulfill that promise maybe there's devious elements behind it but what our contract does reflect that that's important i actually posted on my facebook page a book i bought today on the american revolution by merrill jensen so if you want to uh, get it all in one place i i i believe that's going to be your best bet check that one out i'm going to gregory indicator hi gregory you're on with monica hello yes um I was um, just listening to your program, and uh, and I heard you basically talking about Hillary Clinton and how she was such a criminal. And I was just thinking about the Bush administration putting us in this war of mass destruction and giving all these rich people money, you know, and nobody did not want to try and... Um, and um, impeach him or anything, but you go, you go, when Obama gets in office, you know, yes, he was cleaning up what Bush did. And now we got Donald Trump married three times, bankrupt. And I understand Who is also that, implicated in that Jeffrey Epstein stuff. 
the stuff that I was talking about, the the Jeffrey Epstein's the guy who ran Lolita Island or whatever it was called. Yeah. Donald yeah. Trump was in his little black book too. And I I try to make a point of making it clear that I don't think this stuff is happening just on one side of the aisle. And the reason I guess I was piling on with Hillary is that she's probably going to be the next president. That's uncool. But there's a book, a very damning book about the Bushes called Family of Secrets, I think it is. They're, they have quite a disturbing history. People get upset because they don't want, they feel like if you attack the right, you're a communist or you're, you're, you're encouraging Hillary. But I think that both sides have been hijacked for a, a higher power. A high, not a higher power like God, like a more powerful uh, money power, shadow government. Yes, and I understand that. And so with 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 um, with um, Donald Trump being the the Republican, you know, it's just two choices. And I think um, with Donald Trump, three marriages, um, it's unprecedented, unprecedented for a president to have that many, you know, wives, and that's the only. Next choice besides Hillary. Yeah, it is kind of interesting to me that if her, if if Hillary's weakness is uh, her, some of her weaknesses are Bill has this checkered past with women, and she happens to be up against the only Republican who doesn't have the moral high ground on that. Uh, similarly, when Obama was running against Romney, Romney was the only Republican who didn't have the moral high ground on Obamacare because he instituted in Massachusetts. I actually started a hashtag about this called hashtag lose on purpose. (laughs) This is Monica Perez. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am giving you the libertarian take on the 4th of July. You wouldn't think that it would get that nuance that you could say, oh, I've got a libertarian take. But I think half the founders were libertarian. I think the ones who got the Constitution passed weren't. But I think the ones who got the Bill of Rights passed were. So let's talk about it. I want to talk about more about the Bill of Rights at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to take a couple of calls first. I am going to Ricky and Claremont. Hi, Ricky. You're on with Monica. How are you this afternoon? Good. How are you doing? Uh, talking about term limits, uh, back when uh, they were proposing uh, the executive position instead of a president and a vice president, Benjamin Franklin proposed that we have a uh, three-man executive position. They serve a six-year term, one six-year term, staggered two-year increments, and you have a three-man uh, presidency. Oh, interesting. Staggered. Hmm. Interesting. So you'd be electing a man every two years. Yeah. They had some clever ideas. Another one that I really liked was, I think it was Thomas Jefferson's proposal, that all legislation needed to sit untouched, unchanged for a year. So you couldn't modify it at all. And half the time, that would mean the entire Congress would turn over in that time. And it couldn't be anything rash or expedient or anything like that. And they had some great ideas. But I believe that they were really conquered by the constitutional guys. Now, I think they did their part in resuscitating the the libertarian feeling, but uh, they didn't even have an executive branch in the Articles of Confederation, which preceded the Constitution. No, it was more of a um, chairmanship type position. You had eight presidents of the Confederation. Yes, I think there might have been actually ten. They don't usually count the two before John Hansen, who was, I think, Samuel Huntington and somebody else. But, yeah, they were the presidents of the Congress. There was one, a unicameral legislator, Slater, and there was just the guy who ran it, you know, the guy who, I guess, banged the hammer. <laughs> you know? 
So what do you think? What's the upshot? There's, uh, they went too far with this Constitution. No? Well, yes and no. I, I think what we have is a lot better than what we could have had. I agree with you. That is why I don't go for the idea of a constitutional convention or uh, that we should not defend the Constitution. And I've thought about that. I mean, I, I don't know how much hope there is, but if there's any hope... I think it's in defending at least the Bill of Rights. Give me a call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez, on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6 is my normal time. I'm on tonight till 7, taking calls, 404 872 one eight hundred WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I actually was going to go through the Bill of Rights because uh, they are our last barrier between us and world government. I think, and they are barely we're barely hanging on in this fight against tyranny. But it does help, and I was just going to tick them off the important ones. Uh, but I, I've got so many calls. I think I'm going to do calls and hopefully get to it by the end of the half an hour. But uh, if not, someone actually asked me to to put summaries of this kind of stuff up on my website, monicaperezshow.com. And I do have a few books and interesting stuff that I find uh, I try to summarize for people. So maybe I'll get to that, get to it that way. But first, let me take some calls again, 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Tony in Marietta. Hi, Tony. You're on with Monica. Monica, I'll stay in the race as long as you do. Hi, How are Tony. You? Tony is a longtime listener and caller and uh, emailer and listen, goes to my website. We have conversations, and, uh, and you're right. I'm not going to give up hope. I'm going to stay in the race. What do you got? Well, listen, going back to your kids, when you said that your kids were looking at you kind of funny when you uh, were getting a little bit uh, emotional and they thought you are becoming anti-American. Yes, because I look at every single person who they think represents this country, those criminals in D.C. who betray, they're in a, a unique position to betray us, and they do it, and I get mad, and they, they, just, don't, they just don't see what I love about it anymore. Well, I, wa- I wanted to touch that, and the one caller you said that question, why they didn't prosecute Bush. It all goes back to this. When I was in school out west, we looked at people from New England with a lot of respect. We always felt you guys knew more about the uh, the country as uh, from the history than we did. And we learned uh, some form of social studies and government every year out, out west. This is in Arizona. Every year, first grade all the way through senior and high school, we had something. Okay. And when my son went into the Marine Corps and got out, I was really surprised at how little he knows. And he's almost 30. So they quit teaching that. And I remember when I was on active duty, and, and I'm retired, by the way. I did 23 years. I remember every week we had a thing called GMT, and we always taught American history. We always talked about uh, the Declaration of Independence, the, the all everything. The I think whole, they uh, deliberately took that out. If you, if you dig deep, I don't know if you've ever heard of Norman Dodd. Do you ever, I, I posted the video a few times. I think yes, I might even have yes. posted it. Yeah, he has like an hour-long interview. He was uh, on a research 
the head of research or whatever, when they were investigating tax-exempt foundations, and he found that the Carnegie Endowment, uh, over 100 years ago, this is an old story, but he yep. found that the Carnegie Endowment deliberately not only wanted to foster wars, world wars or wars of this country, in order to reshape our culture, but they intentionally wanted to rewrite history to make it not something glorious, not something that we could rally around that would unify us and to transform it from an individual a history based on individualism to a an ideal of collectivism so i think it's been and there's also a book by charlotte eiserbeit called the deliberate dumbing down of america she was in reagan's department of education and she said she alerted him to what was going on and he i don't know if he didn't have time for it but she, she said they were doing it on purpose and nobody stopped them yeah yeah as long as our kids are totally ignorant, they will always look to us as if we're being a little bit strange until they get informed. And oh, so that's really true. Under- Plus, yeah. they have that social conditioning going on, which yes. comes at them from every... I mean, that's what I worry about with media. That's what I worry about, That is that constant messaging. They just plug it. I call it plugging into the matrix. They sit there, they're on the iPad or whatever. Like, look, I don't, I don't care if you play games or whatever, I don't want you to watch dumb sitcoms that have this constant undercurrent of the, of, of a wrong message. Well, you know, and I want to finish this off. I know time is valuable. Yeah, okay. if, if you remember in Nazi Germany, the children oftentimes would report to parents. They did. And East lot. Germany, they said, did that. I think that yeah. was a big thing in the great leap forward. So-called of Mao's yes. China. Yes. I oh, yes. Yes, I tell my fellow gun owners, I said, they're not going to come knocking at your door. They're going to use your neighbors and your kids is what they're going to do. That's so interesting. Thank you, Tony. I'm so interesting because I do key into that. I do know, and I read in the great... work tragedy and hope by carol quigley it's not a great work in that oh it's you know this is the truth it's just a tremendous historical thing that actually exposes and praises what's effectively a shadow government but in the very beginning of the book he said the way you change a culture is by disconnecting kids from their parents and when when my kids look at me funny uh you know, you think that what they represent is going to be more free thinking. You know, you think that these kids these days, they're so rebellious, you know, long-haired teenagers, you know. I wasn't thinking of it as they're they're actually the ones in the box. They're the ones in the box, and that is a function of today's culture where they're not just because people are running around half naked on these YouTube videos doesn't mean they're free doesn't mean they're free thinkers it just means they're you know it's the difference between the libertine you know the person who has no restraint and the libertarian the person who has a principal dedication to liberty that's food for thought Tony I'm gonna have to uh, mull that one over incorporate that into my thinking and really crack down on my kids like they need to think for themselves gosh darn it um and by that, I mean, think more like me. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think that, actually. I really want them to think, and I don't care if they have different ideals as long as they're, uh, they recognize the importance of, of principles and of a coherent worldview. I'll, I'll just take that instead of just being mindless slaves, which I think is what's actually happening. I'm going to go to Tim in Stockbridge. Hi, Tim. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you doing? Good. How are you? 
doing all right. I was calling about the uh, caller you had a little while ago about he wanted, he wanted to make that jump immediately from Hillary to the Bushes and all the crimes they committed. And the, the deal is that uh, the, none of the Bushes are running for president. Well, that's the thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't... You know, and he started talking about uh, Trump and how many wives Trump has had. Well, Reagan, uh, he had two wives as well. Who gets to decide how many wives you can have before you're president? Is that... Yeah, I, I wouldn't... And I, I think you mentioned to, I can see that you said to, uh, to my screener that Ronald Reagan w- had been married before. Yeah. And he had gotten divorced. And I, I did always kind of, my mother was so Catholic. I mean, she would normally never tolerate that kind of thing. My father definitely wouldn't. But she gave Reagan a pass because he loved, was it Jane Wyman? And she left him. Yeah. And that's it. But she gives Trump a pass, too, because she just likes him personally. She thinks that he loves this country, is going to do right by this country. And I actually wouldn't, you know, the marriages thing, I don't hold that stuff against people. People all have their foibles. Thomas Jefferson had his foibles. Martin Luther King had his foibles. They have their foibles. Right. You got to look at how they're really going to treat the country. The only right. thing that I was trying to point out about the Trump thing, I don't know if I was actually doing it on Twitter or was it on the air, because people are tweeting at me is that I think it's weird that Trump doesn't have the moral high ground on some of these areas, which is just weird to me that he happens to be, you know, like Bill Clinton, he's like a a predator. Why would, you know, give him a pass. Yeah. And I feel like because Trump was also in the little black book of Jeffrey Epstein, Mm -hmm. he's not going to bring it up. Yeah. That's right. That's, that could be too. That's lucky. You know, and, and and but the the one thing Trump said the other day that that just resonated so much with me was if Hillary gets to be president, nothing's going to change. It's all going to keep on going just like it is. And that that's the worst thing I think can happen for this country is it keep on going like it is right now. I agree. Because I think I think both sides are com- are completely corrupt. I don't think that right. one side is any much better than the other one nowadays. And I think that in reality, the the concept that they are both that that nothing's going to change if she gets in, I would go one step further and say anyone who would or could change anything will not be allowed to get in or take the reins. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that bad. You, you it's don't that think Trump will, You don't think he would try to change a lot of things, or you think he would just keep on? Towing the Republican line. Here's how I look at it. I look at it as uh, I've mentioned this recently because it was like an epiphany. I I just looked at it and and I thought, well, look at that pattern. There's a pattern from 1963 to 1981. There were six presidents. Uh, JFK was killed and taken out of office. Nixon was, I think Watergate was probably a coup to get him out of office. Gerald Ford, there were a couple of assassination attempts. Ronald Reagan was nearly assassinated. I think that was the transition point under which if you were really going to make a change, not even that those guys weren't all kind of in on it. They really were insiders. They they were participants probably in a kind of shadow government before they took that ultimate power. But but they were their own men. They were the World War II generation. Now, I'm not idolizing those guys, but they were their own men. They, they probably do, would not reach that pinnacle of power without wanting to exercise it and for that they could not stay in office they were taken out i think since then election fraud and whatnot uh the control of the media has gotten so total 
that nobody could really ever win who would take a stand on his own. But it, but if they happen to get in, they I, I think they'd probably get taken out. If if Trump is a controlled asset, I don't know if the elections are um, totally controlled. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that if he's not willing to conduct banksters wars and uh, conduct the policy of the United States for the benefit of the people who really control it and that's not us he just wouldn't be able to wouldn't be allowed to exercise power well I think there was a lot of other ones that were more more on that team on that team than him and he beat a, he beat back quite a few of them I think that you know Jeb Bush was was the one that everybody really wanted that's on the uh, as you call it, the shadow government people. You know, yeah, but here's something weird, Tim, and I want—I would love your response to this. They—they they did. He was winning in the polls. He had a hundred and fifty million dollars super PAC versus Trump's zero, and he went backwards. And and I look at that, and I look at the billions of dollars of free advertising Trump got from CNN and Fox, and I and I feel like the fix was in, and the fix was in because ultimately, Trump knows and they know that he couldn't beat Hillary. I'm not trying to take the wind out of people's sails, and I'm not saying that's how it's going to work out, but that's my fear. And things like Trump not having, you know, not wanting to open the Epstein can of worms on Bill is like a tell to me. Is this too much? Is it too depressing? <laughs> no, no, not not too depressing. I I, I understand what you're saying there, and, and, and the, he may not want to open that, that Epstein can of worms because he knows his name is in there because everybody knows their own sins, you know? And, uh, but I just think that he, I think he's more of an independent man than, than, uh, than I'm saying everybody he ran against. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to believe that. And I, and I really, I, I want so much to say that and to go, you know, to have that hope, but too many things have happened. I feel like, and that was one of them. And also, well, I, I you know, just the only hope is the only hope that we got right now. Yes. It's so just, it's just a prayer. It's just a hope and a prayer. I know. know? <laughs> and I'll tell you what my hope would be. My hope would be in looking at this, that, no matter what, even if Trump were a bad guy who didn't love this country and wanted to lead the war, war world to World War III, I'm not saying there's any reason to think that, but I'm just saying even if he were that awful, everything about him was terrible, terrible, terrible. I feel like he is so polarizing he and, and so outside the political system that he couldn't work the pol- political system in that kind of cynical backdoor way. And he and the most important thing is he couldn't get the whole country to rally around a great big war or invading Libya. And Hillary, because she will silence the anti-war left, will be able to lead the world, this country, into invading Libya, will invade Syria. Uh, I'm going to tell you one, the one uh, thing I really have to touch on from the Bill of Rights, even though I let you down, didn't didn't go through them one by one. I'll tell you after the break, it is, it is the Fifth Amendment. That's the one I think is uh, most important right now. You can give me, I probably have time for one more call, 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And uh, lots of tweets at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Wrapping up our conversation about the libertarian take on the founding, which I consider the libertarians behind the Bill of Rights. 
And I was going to go through them each one by one, and I uh, just, we had such a lively conversation, I didn't want to interrupt it. But there is one I don't want to let go because it just occurred to me, and I think it's worth chewing on, uh, you know, some food for thought. We could talk about it again. I'm on again Saturday from three to six. We can talk about it then. But the Fifth Amendment says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So without due process, you can't be deprived of life, liberty, or property. And I say that's, uh, last week I posted and discussed on the air, I think it was a congressman or a senator who said due process is the problem. Due process is what's standing between us and taking guns away from people on the watch list. That's what he said. And that's what they mean. They, the watch list, the no-fly list, these things are a direct violation of the Fifth Amendment. But what occurred to me as ironic is that if you ask people, why did, did Gaddafi have to go? Why did Assad have to go? Why did Hussein have to go? Really, what the, the answer really is often is that they, they would say they, w- they will put their political enemies in jail. So there's no freedom in those countries, and that's manifested by putting political enemies in jail. How? Without due process. They're not getting real trials. They're just being accused of being domestic terrorists, and they're put in jail. So what we're saying is that, that lack of due process is so important that we're willing to invade the sovereignty of other countries. And in order to persecute these law, prosecute these uh, wars, we're willing to sacrifice due process here. It's just an impossible thing to win. Let them have their tyranny if that's the way it has to be. But don't bring it here. I am going to give Bill in Peachtree City the last word. Bill, you are on with Monica. Well, Monica, I've been in a unique position a long time. Anyway, uh, Nixon absolutely, positively should have gone, but for uh, not for covering up uh, a minor uh, burglary. Uh, he did all sorts of things to uh, destroy the United States and pretty much declared war on the uh, on Islam. Back in uh, 60, uh, 69, 70. Bill, I'll let you have your say, and I just want to clarify for people what we're talking about. Before the break, I said I thought that Watergate was a coup. And I do think Watergate was a coup, and I, and I think that it was an inside job to get Nixon out, not because Nixon was a good guy who was wronged by this, but you look at LBJ, who was also a massive criminal, and nobody took him out in that way. I just think that it was a setup. I'm not, Nixon had price and wage controls, closed the gold window, I mean, carpet bomb Cambodia, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm not saying he was a good guy, but I'll let you, I'll let you finish, continue. Well, I was involved in trying to get uh, Reagan in 76 and 80 uh, to uh, be the presidential uh, candidate for the Republican Party. And in 76, I couldn't believe all the dirty tricks that the Republican established. Oh, yes, I think there was. Yes, I did hear. I mean, this corruption is nothing new, that's for sure. I'm sorry it's the end of the show, Bill, but I'm so glad you gave me the opportunity to clarify. Uh, This is Monica Perez. I'm on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, and you can also catch me on my blog, monicaperezshow.com.